I'm going to teach you something tonight that uh, is absolutely amazing. And be honest with you, I'm going to be real honest with you. I like Wednesday nights more than I like Sunday mornings. There's there's a freedom in in it. And so I'm going to teach something tonight that probably none of you have ever heard. But when you see it, you're going to say, oh, my goodness, it was right there in front of us. But the reason why I decided to do a series on teaching biblical concept of finances is because of where we are on God's calendar. And uh, this, this Friday night, or actually Saturday morning, we're going to see the third of the four blood moons. And uh, I think you'll, if you want to go and look at it, and, and by the way, this Saturday morning, I think the blood moon will be in its fullness right before dawn, so about 6.30, I think, or 7. But I want you to realize that this will be the last time any of us will ever see it. This is it. Now, we may see, if the Lord tarries, we may see a blood moon, but we will never in our lifetime see where the four blood moons come on the biblical holidays. And I'm not going to get into this tonight, but this is a sign in the sky. The first three of the blood moons were, were seen by us, but not Israel. The last blood moon, which will come in the Feast of Tabernacles in September, will not see. So in a reality... Those of us who have eyes to see what God is saying, we need to see it right now. The next blood moon during the Feast of Tabernacles will be seen in Israel, not a coincidence, during the time in which all Jews in Israel build a Sukkot. They build a tabernacle outside with a slot in the roof because they're commanded to keep their eyes on the sky because God will bring them a sign in the sky that the Messiah is coming. This Passover will lead us into the end of the year of Shemitah. The end of the year of Shemitah will lead us into Jubilee. But what God is going to do is judge each and every individual life financially it always happens 2001 economic fall 2008 economic fall god wants to use you as an example not of financial judgment but a financial blessing that god will open up over us the windows of heaven and pour us out such a blessing now Scholar minds of Judaism, Mamamides, Rashi, these are the ones that everybody goes by their teaching. They know, they say, there's actually two comings of the Messiah. There is the coming of the Messiah, which will come in on a donkey. There is the coming of the Messiah, which will come on, on a stallion or a white horse. And one of the things that's going to happen to grab the Jewish people's attention and let them know that we serve a Messiah whose name is Jesus, and they can too, is the blessing and the financial favor of God that's going to come on your life. Do you receive that? 
The Passover, which we're going to receive the first fruits on Sunday. The Passover brings favor with God. The Passover offering brings favor with God, favor with man, and divine protection, rebuking the devourer. We need favor with God because he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But we need favor with man. Look at me. Because because we need man who owns the basketball teams to come to big techs and say, Here's, we want your hats and your jerseys. We want, we want the, the, the men for God to speak. And they may not even know God speak to come and say, we're going to give you this contract. So we need the favor of God and the favor of man. And then we need God to stand in front of our door and rebuke the devourer and rebuke divorce and rebuke cancer. Amen. Now listen to me. And then 50 days from Friday night. 50 days from Friday night. What does 50 mean? Pentecost. There is a 50-day journey, and on Pentecost, the Pentecost offering, the Shavuot offering, releases the prosperity. So right now, God is preparing us for favor with God, undeserved favor from God, favor with man. The Lord said, I'll cause, I'll speak to people and cause them to give to you out of the bosom of their heart. This is proof. We've been talking about four blood moons. We've been talking about Shemitah. We've been talking about prosperity. The key to prosperity is obeying God, but the key to prosperity is also never feel ashamed of desiring more money. Amen. Because if you're ashamed, if you feel embarrassed about wanting more money, then you're a double-minded person, and a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways, and let that them think that, they, that they'll receive anything from the Lord. Is he Jehovah Jireh? Yes. Is it your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? Yes. Then you are to come boldly before the throne of God. But the devil will come not through Bible, but through religion and try to make you ashamed of wanting to be blessed. If you, if you, if you are ashamed of it, then you'll pray, but you'll be double-minded. Listen, God wants every one of you so blessed that it gets the world's attention. Don't think, well, if I live in a nice house or if I drive a nice car or if I wear nice jewelry, then we can't win the world to Jesus. God has enough money to make sure that we're all wealthy and we can win the world. There, God is not on a budget. Did you hear what I said? Everybody say money. See, and, and I'm not talking about a gimmick. I'm not talking about a con game. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about that I'm trying to brainwash you into understanding that, that God has enough money to give to us good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and there's enough left over that it's overflowing and we can win the world to Jesus Christ. Open your Bible up to the book of Matthew 
chapter 6, and we're going to launch from there. But we're going to go to a lot of scriptures so that you understand uh, exactly what the Word of God says. Now, God says, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. In other words, we are anointed by God to serve him, but we are also anointed by God as children of God to gain wealth. We're not anointed to suffer. We're not anointed to just get by. We are anointed by God to gain wealth. Are we in agreement? But then God, when he says that, when he, he gives us a warning, and he says, when you're living in beautiful houses and when your crops are growing and your herds are growing, in other words, when you are living in this prosperity, there's a danger. And I know we have people with us right now live around the world, but let's talk about America. America is the country that it is because... Our founding fathers put on our dollar bill, in God we trust. God warned Israel, God is warning us. That's what the year of Shemitah is all about, the Sabbath year. He says, when you're living in, you know, when you're hungry and when you need the rent paid and when you need the car payment, man, we, oh, God, help us. But it's another thing when the money's there and, and we're, we're prospering. God warns us, do not forget it's me who gives you power to gain wealth. Israel forgot that. America has forgotten that. Um, We've allowed in America for them to take the Ten Commandments out of our schools, not allow us to pray. We're We're allowing Islam to pray in Dearborn, Michigan on a loudspeaker five times a day through the city but they won't let us pray at a football game. But God warns Israel. The problem is not when you're coming into the land. The problem is not when you're fighting the enemy. The problem is not when you're tilling the ground. The problem will rise when, when you don't think you need me anymore to be Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And he, so, so that we never forget it's him who gives us power to gain wealth. He gave us three rulings. A tenth is the Lord's offerings, which are the first fruit offerings of Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles, and stedkah, acts of charity. That's what Jesus is talking about. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or where you're going to live, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word righteous in Hebrew is the word stedkah, which means acts of charity or acts of kindness, but it literally means justice. And so this is where Jesus came up with 30, 60, 100 fold. He didn't just grab that number out of the air, 30, 60, 100 fold. Three ways we give, three types of first fruits. We give tithe. The tenth is holy unto God. American Christians give less today while we're in abundance than we did during the Great Depression when we're standing in, literally standing in bread lines. So when the Lord says, return unto me and I will return unto you, how do we return? And God's response is tithes and offerings. We say, well, that's to Israel. That is to Israel. And, and the church says, and Israel didn't do that. 
And so God didn't speak to them from Malachi to Jesus, which is 500 years. But the reality of it is, is they did return. They did. Jesus said, you pay tithe of the smallest seed, which you ought to do. So a lot of the church teaches, well, the reason why Jesus didn't teach on tithing is tithing doesn't have anything to do with us once Jesus came. That's false. The reason why Jesus didn't teach on tithing is because they were tithing. Jesus said it himself. You're tithing of the smallest seed, which you ought to do, but you're leaving the weightier things undone, which is loving your brother. We know that they returned in first fruits because because um, uh, Jesus came riding in on a donkey. That was the first fruit of Passover. They were all in the city. On the day of Pentecost, was, uh, they were all in one place, in one mind, in one accord. When the Holy Spirit fell, they were there to bring the Pentecost first fruit. On the Feast of Tabernacles, when, when they would cry out, we thirst, we thirst, Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. We know that they kept charity because Jesus stood at the Stedka box when the widow brought her might. Remember when, he, when the Lord said, she's given more than all of you. Don't give like you're blowing the trumpet. Well, in those days, they didn't have paper money. They had coins. And so the rich would come into the Stedka box, the charity box, and they would pour their coins. They wouldn't just drop it in. They would pour it like the blowing of a trumpet so everybody could hear how much they're giving. That's what he's talking about. So in all three cases, we see when the Lord says in Malachi, return unto me and I'll return unto you, they did return. They began paying their tithes. They began to pay their first fruits. Israel today, almost all of Israel for the first time in history is keeping, is keeping Shemitah this year and letting their land rest. So it's not them that needs to come back to the Bible. It's us that needs to come back to the Bible. And if we do and when we do, God will open the windows of heaven and pour us out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. But what we got to understand is that window only comes three times a year. It comes Passover and then it's gone. 30 days later, it's gone. And it doesn't come back around for a whole nother year. Pentecost, and then it's gone. Feast of Tabernacles, and then it's gone. But this time, the ones who have eyes to see, Jesus said, the the sun will be darkened, the moon will turn to blood. Blessed are you who have eyes to see. Yavair, with a yod, which means to see what God is doing. So this, right now, is the most incredible time in the history of the world, and those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing, the rabbis say the window will, won't pass over us in 30 days. It will stay open, and then the next window will stay open, and the next window will stay open. There's going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit and a transfer of wealth into the hands of those uh, who are the righteous. All right? All right, so... Do you all all understand that? None of us are totally righteous. As a matter of fact, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But we can all be people who, and we ought to act righteous. Give give me a loud amen. That's not an an excuse to go buy a pack of Marlboros. But what he's talking about is a righteous man is a man who does acts of kindness. Okay, let, let me help you. Everything God teaches us has how many sides to it? 
physical and spiritual, heavenly and earthly. We are the righteousness of God. Number one, we are God's acts of charity. For grace are we saved, not by our own works. Because of Jesus Christ, we are God's act of righteousness or act of charity. But the second part of that is we are God's righteousness. God has no hands but our hands. He has no feet but our feet. He has no way of bringing acts of righteousness or kindness to the world. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Lord, when would we do this? When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So we are God's act of charity. He saved us through grace, but we are also to take what he's done for us and go do it for others. We are his righteousness. We are God, God, you know, he can do it, but I haven't ever heard of God opening except for in, in the desert opening there, there are, there are children that are hungry in Haiti. There are children that are hungry in Africa. God could open the window. I'm not limiting God, but I haven't heard of him doing it or seen him do it, but I have seen him give us so much that we can give to others and and be his acts of righteousness. Amen. Right? All right. So let's, let's read this. Do not lay for yourself. All right, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is in darkness, how great is the darkness. No man can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. All right, now let me give you this real quick. The eye in, is a very Jewish term. The good eye means a person is generous, a person of goodwill, a person of charity, and a person that rejoices when another prospers. An evil eye is one who feels distress and jealous when someone else prospers. An evil eye is someone who loves their money. An evil eye does not give to help anybody else. So the Lord says, when your eye is good, when your eye is generous, when your eye loves to see someone else blessed, your whole body will be full of goodness. But if your eye is evil, how do you, how do you feel when it's time to help the hungry? How do you feel if somebody next to you comes driving in in a brand new car? Do you feel excited or do you feel jealous? The only way we would feel jealous is we think God is limited on how much money he has. So he bought them a new car, but he doesn't have any money for me. But in Hebrew, when you see someone else get blessed, what does it mean? It means you're, you're next. All right. So it's talking about the evil eye and the good eye is talking about our generosity and our, our excitement about seeing someone else get blessed. Are you good? All right. Now, now watch this. Leviticus 27, we won't turn there. The Bible says that the 10th is holy unto God. Now, 
Turn with me to the book of Haggai. If you don't know where Haggai is, go to Matthew, make a left, (laughs) past the street of Malachi, past the street of Zechariah to Haggai. Do you have it? All right, now look at me. Return unto me, and I'm going to show you something that's going to blow your mind. Return unto me, and I'll return to you. How do we return? In tithe. Look at me. That tenth, that tithe, is your part of the covenant. It is holy unto God. And if you have time, uh, I I read it the other day. God says, it is holy unto me. And then he gives this whole thing. He says, don't scam me. Don't, don't try to scam me going, uh, well, you know, Lord, uh, by net and by, you know, by, uh, um, you know, and after uh, gas and it, no, a tenth is holy unto me. Don't touch the holy thing. Now, I don't know if I'll get to the sun, S-U-N of righteousness, but l- l- let me say this. That ties in to the end. And if you want to know how it is at the end, all you have to do is go look at what it was in the beginning. And the whole reason the world is in chaos is because Adam and Eve were bad stewards. God said, it's all yours. Enjoy it. But that's holy to me. The whole reason for the world being the way it is is because Adam and Eve weren't good stewards. All right? Look at me. God's not, God doesn't need our money, but he needs our heart. And he needs us to remember, you know, you know, probably a terrible illustration, but if you ever had a jail cell close on you, everybody becomes a Christian. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. But what about when that jail cell opens? You know what they say? There's no atheist in a foxhole. Right? You know, when we're in need, oh God, oh God. But what about when it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing? The danger is we forget it's God who gives us power to gain wealth. That's what happened in 2001 when they hit Wall Street. That was a Schmidt year. 2008, Schmidt year. We're, we're a few months away from this. But it, on us, it's not going to be judgment. On us, it's going to be the windows of heaven. But let me show you Malachi or Haggai, excuse me, chapter 1. Let's do verse 1 just, for, just to get everybody in the history. In the second year of King Darius, this is when they're in Babylon captivity. All right, let me stop right there. Most of you know this, but Malachi was written when Israel came out of 70 years of Babylonian captivity, right? They, they quit tithing, they quit giving first fruits, and they quit keeping Shemitah. And so God said, every year you've stopped, you've stopped doing this, you're going into captivity. So now they come out of captivity, they're in Jerusalem, they're praying, and they're saying, God, how do we not allow the enemy to conquer us again? And that's where God gives the prophet to Malachi, return unto me and I'll return unto you. Okay? So this is during this time that we're reading right now in Haggai. All right. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadat, the high priest, saying, listen to this, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, 
the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And, and in those days, paneling was good. <laughs> Nowadays, get that paneling out of here. It, it's, a, it's a good thing. Cedar, it's cedar siding. And dwell in your paneled houses and the temple to lie in ruins, the house of God. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And this is what God is saying to all of us here tonight. And he's saying to America when he's shouting with the blood moons, consider your ways. You have sown much and yet you bring in little. Prosperity's gone. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Now that's Malachi, and I'm gonna take you further, but that's Malachi, oh, open the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out such a blessing. But this is the only way by returning to our tithes and offerings that God will stand in front of our life and rebuke the devourer. If God doesn't rebuke the devourer, no matter how much you make, you're putting your money in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now jump over to chapter two, verse one. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shethel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left, I'm going to blow your mind here, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Glory, glory, glory. And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Now, for the sake of time, jump down the the verse 9. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. The word peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. That means nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Look at me. In your life, nothing is missing. Nothing is missing. I know you have need of all these things and nothing is broken, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple. Now, when we see, and I've got to move quickly, when we think about the word glory, the glory of the Lord filled the house. We think, and, and, and that's okay, the power of the Holy Spirit. But look, listen to this. The word glory in Hebrew, the most common use of this word in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word for heavy. His glory does not mean a person's weight. Or size, but it literally means his finances and his power. The very first go go keep, go to Genesis chapter thirty-one. I'll show it to you. The very first place the word glory is used in all of the Bible is Genesis thirty-one, verse one. Listen to what it says. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's house saying, 
Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he acquired all his, what's your Bible say? Wealth. But that's the wrong word. That's a translation that the, the, the scholars tried to help you understand. The word in Hebrew is his glory. Glory and wealth are synonymous. Yes, it means power. It means power. It means, and, 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 and in, the latter, in the latter reign, there's going to be uh, uh, signs and wonders and miracles and salvation and the outpouring of God's spirit. There's going to be power, but along with that power always comes wealth. And so when he says the glory of the latter rain will be greater than the former. Yes, it's going to be spiritual, but he's also talking about the wealth. In the time of Jesus in the first church, Jesus wasn't poor. Jesus is speaking to 5,000 men plus women and children. The disciples come to Jesus. They're just standing there. And they come and said, Lord, send them away. They're hungry. Jesus said, you feed them. They said, should we go and buy? They had enough in their pocket. Oh, somebody help me here. Listen to me. I don't know if anybody in this room has enough in your pocket to buy lunch for 15,000 people, but the disciples did. This whole teaching that Jesus was poor is a false teaching. And so when we think about the glory, yes, it is the power of God. And the power of God, there will be signs and wonders and miracles. But the word glory, the first place glory, the first place it was used in all of God's word, the avos, the birthing of the word, had to do with wealth. And so there's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit, but there is going to be money that's going to back that, that the wealth that's coming into our lives is going to be phenomenal. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so we got that? All right, now listen to this. Here's the key, and we talked about this last week. There is a word in Hebrew that is called shalak. And, and just for the sake of time, the word shalak or shalak is where we get the word agent or ambassador or, or uh, embassy. It means a power of attorney. The first place it was ever used is when Abraham sent uh, Eleazar to find a wife for Jacob. He was the legal representative of the family of Abraham, he was the Shylock. Abraham sent him to do business for the family. Jesus says, as my father sent me as the Shylock, the embassy, embassy of God of heaven, so I send you. Now, I'm going over this real quick, and if you weren't here, get to teaching last week. But every one of us is the Hebrew... Uh, name of a Shalak. We are an uh, we are uh, uh, a, an agent of heaven. That's what Jesus said. He said, "In my name, you shall cast out devils." It's the power of attorney. When we lay hands on the sick, we are standing in the place of Jesus Himself. We are God's agent. Are you with me? When Moses spoke to God in the burning bush, and God said, "Go to Pharaoh." And say, let my people go. Moses said, who shall I say gives me this authority? 
Who shall I say made me their Shylock, their power of attorney, their legal agent? So what you've got to understand, and, and, and this is so phenomenal, what you've got to understand is that we are, every one of us, are agents of God, are emissaries of God. Are you with me on this? Okay. So as an emissary of God, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The silver is the Lord's. The gold is the Lord's. It's all God's. The tenth is holy, but it's all God's. Are you and I trustworthy agents? It's not ours. Go with me to Luke chapter 16. Here's where it starts really getting good. Verse 10. You are, and and I am an agent with God, for God, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. But everything we own, whether it's a little or a lot, everything we own belongs to him. And God is looking at us to see if we are faithful. That's why, that's why Malachi said, would a man rob God? Well, what do you mean rob God? It's all his. It's all his. Now, I'm telling you this because you cannot give God. You can't. And like I said last week, for those of you who haven't been tithing, how rich are you? How, how's that working for you? All right. But watch this. Now, watch this. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give to you What is your own? Now watch this. Watch this. In the last days, there are going to be signs and wonders and miracles. The way we're going to get the world's attention is through miracles. God here says, everything in the earth is mine. Now I put into your hands... And I ask you to be a faithful steward. But if you're unfaithful in money, you'll never be faithful. I'll never be faithful in true riches. Well, if money isn't the true riches, what are, what is the true riches? Money God paves the streets of heaven with. The true riches, now remember, you are a Shylock. You are an agent from heaven. And God is looking if we'll be faithful. The word Shylock, from Hebrew into Greek into English, is the word apostle. There is no word in Hebrew that is apostle. It's taken Shylock an agent sent by heaven, a legal ambassador, and it goes from Greek into English, and we get the word apostle. Now, I won't take time to read it tonight, 
but it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. It's talking about prophecy. It's talking about healing. It's talking about word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And then it gets into the fivefold ministry. Now, I don't have time tonight, but if you read Malachi, God says, return to me and I'll return to you and I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it. But before we get to the open windows, go backwards in Malachi 3 and it says God will bring judgment on the, 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 the priests of the Levites. This is the fivefold ministry. That's why God says, and I'm rushing through this, God says first apostles, then prophets, then evangelists. Every one of us is called by God to be a Shylock, an apostle of God. He said, are all apostles? No, because the office of an apostle or evangelist or a pastor or teacher comes after faithfulness of performing the duty. If, I, if, if you lay hands on somebody and they get healed, it doesn't mean that you, are, you have the gift of healing. But if you give him all the praise and all the glory, he'll let you pray for somebody else and they'll be healed. And then he'll let you pray for somebody else. If you give a prophecy and that prophecy comes true, it doesn't mean you're a prophet, but if he sees you faithful in giving him all the praise and all the glory, God will open Open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing. And there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles. The true riches is not money. God, money to God is dust. That's what he said. You wipe the dust. How many ladies have ever wiped the dust off your counter? What happens the next day? It's back. And so money is not the issue. God wants to give us so much money that there's not room enough to receive it. But if we're faithful in that, he is going to pour out his spirit and he will confirm everything he's doing with signs and wonders and miracles. Can I have an amen? All right, now let me say this real quick. And, and, and this is so important. And, and you can send somebody Israel to go get the kids. The Bible says, train your children up in the ways that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, this is in Proverbs. We all know this, and it's in every way. It's in every single way, but if you read this verse in Proverbs, it's dealing with money. It's dealing with money because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the question is, when it's dealing with anything in raising our kids, In ancient Jewish wisdom, it says, how do we train our kids? The world's all out there and the world's teaching this. And nowadays we have television and media and records. And how do we train our kids? And ancient Jewish wisdom answers by them seeing you do it. So if they, what they need to do is see if you're mom and dad, they need to let them see You guys writing out your tithe check or preparing your tithe envelope and get them involved with praying over that. That when they you need they need to see you set set something aside or have them set aside. Our our grand sugars, they spend almost every Friday night with us. And before we light the Shabbat candles and we ask God to bring in the Sabbath blessing, they they are given. We give them 
a dollar or a coin or whatever you do to put in the Stedka box that they can bring it on Sunday and give it because you can ask any one of our grand sugars, why do we do that? Because there's people in Haiti that don't have shoes and there's people in Haiti. When you train your child up in the way they should go, God then can lift us all up in, in, in every area, finances and spiritual. Now watch this. This is where the term, we get the term Godfather. It comes from, it comes from a, a, a man and a woman holding a child when they're getting circumcised. In Hebrew, it's called Baal Barit. And so a, a, a man, not a parent, a man will become partners with the parent. They hold the child while the child is being circumcised. May I never have that job. But the circumcision is a sign of a covenant. And so when you become a Baal Barit, you are partnering with someone for a third person to be a part of the covenant blessing. In, in Hebrew, it says none of us, no, two of us should never come together without a third one being blessed. That's why before we teach the word, I teach you listen so that we can come together. We, give, we take an offering so that a third person can become blessed. And when we, I'm blessed and you're blessed, it seals that blessing by bringing a blessing to a third person. As my father sent me, now I send you. And if we are faithful in that which is least money then God will give us the true riches. And guys, it's going to be money confirmed with signs, wonders, and miracles. Somebody shout amen. Amen. So stand with me all over the building. Here's what we're going to do. And it's a, and it's a, very, it's a, it's, it's a very powerful thing. There's a blessing called Baruch HaVahatz Lachal. And that means the blessing of prosperity and great wealth. And it's a blessing that... You only do with people if you're sure these people will pass the blessing on. Now, I shared this last week, and and if you weren't involved with it, then I'm going to ask you to become involved with it. Can I have the... uh, What what you do, what you understand is I'm going to give the kids, and we're going to do this every Sunday. I pray... That every one of you train your child up and give your child something to put in the offering. But we're going to make sure, maybe there's strangers, maybe there's new people. We're going to go into all of our children's ministries and give them a dollar so that what they receive from God that week will be sealed because they're being a blessing to a third person. Okay? And, and it's a very, but what you got to understand is, and I'll explain this real quick, that if you have a child that I give this to, make sure that child understands this. And if you didn't have us do it with you last week, then I ask you after the children come down. But what you got to understand is I'm going to give you a dollar, but this is not your dollar. This is my dollar, but I am partnering with you. And sending you as an agent, a shalak, 
and an apostle to do what's right. Now, can I share just a little bit more? We got a few minutes. I don't know. We got to get the kids to school. When Abraham sent Eleazar to get a wife, he didn't tell her, tell him who to get. He trusted Eleazar to hear from God who will lead him and guide him and teach him and show him things to come. When I give you a dollar or the kids a dollar, I'm not telling them where to put it. I want them to hear from God. They can put it in the stedka. They can go to school and give it to somebody. They can go, be in somewhere where at the counter and there's a polio thing in the, in the, and that's what God does. God gives you everything you have. I didn't get to read it, but if you, and I'll get it next week. He gives everybody talents. Talents is money. He gives some a little, some more, some more, but he looks to see how faithful you are. And the story is, and I'll read it next week, but you, you grab it. He said, that story is a man, a rich man, who leaves in his servants, his shaliach, the hands of his wealth. And he goes to a far country. That's God. Everything I have, everything you have is God's. And he puts it in our hands and he's watching. And he comes back and he says, what did you do with what I put in your hands? And one guy said, well, I invested and made more. He goes, well done. The other guy said, I invested and made more. He said, well done. He said, what about you? He said, well, I didn't didn't do anything with it. Why? Well, I I knew you were a hard taskmaster. And he said, take from him that hasn't and give it to him who has. That doesn't seem fair. We're being told, take from him who has and give it to him who's not doing nothing. But that's not what God says. God said, whatever, wherever I put you, but take what I've given you and be faithful. And as that grows, it's not a bad thing. As that grows, as your finances grow, I will say to you, well done, thou good and faithful Shalak. Agent of heaven. Amen.